0: Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. Let's pause our series chronology and backtrack to elaborate with a special guest on a topic briefly mentioned in one of our earliest episodes, involving an intriguing theory about a Chinese fleet arriving in North America in 1421. Laszlo Montgomery of the China History Podcast shares with us his views on this fascinating theory.
1: China is a great and mighty maritime power in the early 15th century. The seven voyages of Admiral Zheng He that took place between 1405 and 1433. One of the claims that Gavin Menzies makes, and he's extremely insistent about this, is that when Verrazano sailed into Narragansett Bay in 1524, he saw locals who were most deaf of Chinese descent. There were Chinese already living in North America when Verrazano landed. And after all his theories were shot down, Menzies always falls back to this one point. If Zheng He's fleets never sailed to the New World, how did all those Chinese get to the Northeast U.S.? In addition to this, Gavin Menzies also says that these sailors from Zhou Wen's fleet had left behind evidence of their presence all over Massachusetts. As crazy as this sounds, after the fleet finished exploring the coast of the U.S., they sailed north through the frozen Atlantic and split up, one part continuing north to the Arctic Circle, going around Greenland and then Iceland, and the other part of the fleet catching the current that would take them in about a month's time across the Atlantic to the Azores and then on to the Cape Verde Islands. The remaining admiral was the grand eunuch Yang Qing. He didn't go on as fantastical a voyage as Zhou Man, Zhou Wen, and Hong Bao, but it was a memorable one nonetheless. For on this voyage, Yang Qing solved the mystery that had confounded mariners from the time they first set sail onto the open ocean, how to figure out one's longitude. Now, this is quite a claim, because traditionally, this great feat of mankind was credited later to John Harrison and his chronometer in the 1700s. Well, again, no rock-solid evidence, and there are scholars in China who insist Chinese sailors had not been able to master this enigma before the Europeans. So a lot of claims are made, none of them minor or insignificant. One of Gavin Menzies' signature claims in this book is that the first European explorers to visit the New World all carried maps with them showing the way. The source of these maps were the cartographers and surveyors aboard Zheng He's fleets. This sixth voyage of Zheng He's fleet circumnavigated the world, passed through the Cape of Good Hope, the Strait of Magellan, they visited the New World in Australia, the extreme northern and southern regions of the globe, and though no evidence can be found that is conclusive to a degree that all scientists and historians can generally agree, a lot of stuff is out there that suggests some of what Menzies claims might very well be true. Maybe it didn't happen exactly like how he said, but let's just say some questions remained unanswered. There's a lot of maps out there. The Pizzigano, the Fraumoro, the 1428 map that Don Pedro, brother of Prince Henry the Navigator, received in Venice that showed the Pacific in North America that they're all real, all sort of, maybe, perhaps, give clues to Zheng He, but again, nothing for show. The only thing that historians can agree on, for the most part, is that the only map that survives that can be connected directly to Zheng He shows India and Africa only. If there was anything that told the whole story, logs, maps, any surviving records, they all got trashed and burned as the legend goes, by someone within the Confucian cabal at the imperial court who, for their own reasons, did not want this information getting out. And to this day, nothing has come forth. No discovery and some archaeological excavation. Nothing. No missing logbooks of Zheng He's fleets discovered yet. The case for Zheng He's fleets discovering the world rests on the idea that while Zheng He was in Calicut, he met up with a Venetian adventurer and merchant named Niccolo de Conti. He was the first Italian merchant to make it to China since the time of Marco Polo in 1295. DeCanti Conti plays a starring role in the account given by Gavin Menzies. Like all these early travelers and adventurers, going all the way back to Zhang Qian during the Han Dynasty, DeCanti's Conti's story is amazing. He goes on these incredible voyages, traveling disguised as a Muslim trader, And he sees the most amazing sights that the 15th century had to offer. And in 1444, like Marco Polo 150 years before, he sails back to Venice, writes a book about his travels, and lives happily ever after as a rich merchant. Now, according to Menzies, beyond the shadow of a doubt, and all historians can generally agree on this point, de Conti was traveling around all the usual haunts of the early 15th century spice trade. He most certainly saw Zheng He's treasure fleets, or at the very least heard of them. But Menzies goes a bit further. He maintains Decanti came on board one of their vessels in Calicut and actually sailed with them for three years on this magical mystery tour all over the world. When Decanti reached Venice, he hooked up with Venetian cartographer Fra Moro of the Monastery of Saint Michael, which no longer stands there, is today one of the largest cemeteries in Venice. With all the information from De Conti, as well as other Venetian traders who brought back bits and pieces of information, Fra Mauro creates the 1459 Fra Mauro map. Both this map, as well as the 1424 Pizzagano chart, discovered in 1953, make up two of the primary sources for the history Gavin Menzies presents. There's a lot of data, a lot of maybes, a lot of couldbes, but as I said, nothing that absolutely positively backs up the claims by Gavin Menzies in this book, 1421. As for Menzies' claim that Verrazano, Columbus, and others ran into Chinese or mixed Chinese when they landed in the New World, and these maps carried by the great explorers who sailed after Zheng He that show things that weren't discovered yet. That shall remain a mystery wrapped up in a riddle inside an enigma. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who
0: should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth.
1: Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now.
0: Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
1: As far as igniting the Renaissance goes, the case rests on evidence discovered that was written by Paolo Toscanelli of Florence. He was a contemporary of Alberti and Brunelleschi and the Medicis. Toscanelli's letters reveal that Chinese had visited the Venetian Pope, Eugene IV. He gave all kinds of details that Menzies seizes on, but these accounts are suspected to have come from DeCanti, who may or may not have made these journeys with Zheng He's fleet. If you needed an ideal representative to reveal 2,000 years of wisdom and knowledge to, Toscanelli would have been a great candidate. Educated man, familiar with science, mathematics, astronomy, cosmology. So Paolo Toscanelli is another in a long line of maybe, maybe nots a lot of these drawings and descriptions of innovative technologies was among the treasure troves supposedly seen by Toscanelli. Gavin Menzies says what followed in the wake of these revelations from the Chinese were the flood of fantastic drawings from the likes of Leonardo da Vinci and others who received their inspiration for many of their inventions from this Chinese information. There's a lot more to it, but that's the main idea behind the book 1434 the year a magnificent Chinese fleet sailed to Italy and ignited the Renaissance. The title says it all. And like the first book, 1421, it makes all kinds of amazing discoveries and draws very provocative conclusions that seem based on real evidence. Nothing seems implausible. A Chinese science and technology in the early Ming years was indisputably the greatest in the world. There is nothing Gavin Menzies says, nor any conclusions drawn, that could be considered far-fetched. There's no aliens that visited the planet Earth, or werewolves, or vampires, nothing like that. But did they do it? It's a war out there, folks. You get on any search engine and put in the right keywords, and there's quite a dialogue going on right now. You have Gavin Menzies' websites that contain all the detail you'd ever want to see, There are naysayers, both amateur and expert, who have intelligently and methodically picked apart everything Menzies says. And the usual chit-chat back and forth between the opposing sides of this ongoing debate is always great reading, especially when it falls deep in the gutter, and you can see many people around the world have these visceral feelings about whether Zheng He actually achieved all that Gavin Menzies gives him credit for. The emotion on both sides, those for and those against what's contained in the two books, 1421 and 1434, are lively and raucous. This is one of those things where you can do a lot of amateur sleuthing and draw your own conclusions. There's no shortage of materials that analyze everything about everything Zheng He did or didn't do between 1405 and 1433, but this we do know. Zheng He was a real historic person. He made these voyages, at least seven that we know of. He was a major mover and shaker during the years of Zhu Di, the Emperor Yongle, a period when eunuchs like Zhang He were most influential at court and dominated court politics of the day. His voyages had a major ripple effect in the creation of certain cities and towns along the trade routes. His life and his legend are intertwined with the Chinese culture in many of these places. There are temples built in reverence to him. Many of the great and ancient cities from Malacca to Mombasa have strong, vibrant overseas Chinese communities whose roots go all the way back to the time of these seven voyages. Like the Silk Roads, these voyages were also conduits for the exchange of knowledge and new ideas. And I think it's with this. That we should thank Zheng He, Hong Bao, Yang Qing, Zhou Man, Zhou Wen, Wang Jinghong, Ma Huan, Fei Xin, and many others for their collective contribution to the development of mankind and taking part in a period when so much information was flowing back and forth. It's nearly impossible to tell who knew what when or who got it from whom. Maybe Gavin Menzies didn't get it right. Maybe he did. Everything will be revealed in time. But whatever the case may be, he did shine a few bright lights on Zheng He and the other great admirals of these voyages, and he allowed these great historic personages, through the massive worldwide readership of these books and the awareness they created, to come out and take a bow and to become known by people around the world who might not otherwise have heard of them. So I guess we can thank Mr. Menzies for that.
0: Join me again next time as we conclude our search for the first non-Indigenous explorers to reach North America in this special Backtrack miniseries. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying images. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you're enjoying the ride.